morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 this morning. Do me a favor before we get started. Go ahead and share. There's, there's, there's some encouraging things that I'm going to share with you today that you don't want to miss. And, and, I, and, and, and don't do the disservice of having somebody else miss because of, of, of your disobedience. Be, be obedient to God today. Share because uh, you may be the only Bible that some will ever listen to and see. And you have the opportunity to do that this morning. Also, uh, uh, in, 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 in the, in the uh, on YouTube app and also on Facebook, there's uh, ways that you can give your tithes and our offering through text, through our app. Uh, there's a link in there so you can, can go ahead and, and, and do that. If you want to support our ministry, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, and then also, don't forget to download our app. You can stay in contact with us. It's imperative in a day and time that we're living in today that we are in contact with each other. Even though we are not meeting physically, not yet, it's coming soon. Meeting physically in a, in a building, uh, 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 we can meet uh, through our, our different means that God has given us. Amen? This morning, we are in week 12. It's hard to believe that this is the 12th week in our Elevate series. And, and I'm excited for what God has in store for us this morning but my title is, is, of my sermon this morning is called Elevate Impossible. Elevate Impossible. And last week, if you missed our Elevate series, we looked at Elevate Obedience. And we saw four truths. The first truth is disobedience leads to complete rejection of God. When we're disobedient to God, we, we end up rejecting God. Disobedience also leads to sin in our lives. Disobedience leads to unnecessary storms. There's things that we're going through and we go through in life and that are brought upon ourselves and our own decisions, and they're unnecessary, unnecessary storms. And lastly, we learn that disobedience leads us, uh, leads others, uh, 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 will cause hindrances to others around our life. So our disobedience doesn't just affect my life, it affects everybody around me. And today, it's elevate impossible. What I mean by elevate impossible, there's one way impossible can go, and that is going to a possibility. Amen? A, a, uh, the, 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 the word impossible means not able to occur, exist, or be done. I'm here to tell you today, I was told impossible. I was told impossible in my life in terms of my mother and my father having me. And you know what? And I, it's, it's Mother's Day, and, and I, I, I love, you know, moms out there. I love my mom and my wife, and, and, and I appreciate the moms. But my mother and my father were told, impossible. Forget about it. And I tell you what, with God, I'm here to tell you today, with God, all things are possible. If we view something as impossible, we view it as it cannot be accomplished. We view it as without possibility. It ain't happening. And over the last few months, we've experienced some things in our life that seem impossible. This COVID, this coronavirus pandemic that we've been living in for the last two months seems impossible to get through. 
It may seem impossible to get back to some normalcy. It may seem impossible to, for some of us who are out of work to get back into the workforce. Or maybe uh, uh, looking at our finances and see the, the ravishing that has happened in our economy to get back to, to something we've, we've known two months ago. It may seem impossible. It may seem impossible to even go out to something that we, we've done before, like go to the movies or go to the sporting events. You know, I, I, my, my, my son plays basketball, and I enjoy watching him play. It's been over two months since I've seen him play. My Lakers were supposed to win a championship. Yes, I'm biased. My Lakers were supposed to win a championship this year. It seems impossible that the NBA season will start again. It seems impossible for us to, 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 to come together and meet within these four walls as one church. It almost seems impossible. But let me tell you today, it seems impossible, but it's possible. The opposite of impossible is what? It is possible. It's time that we take what we view as an impossible situation or impossible circumstance and, and elevate our impossible situation to his possibility. Amen. That's where it's found, and it's found in him. What we, always, what we always need to remember, and it should be an encouragement to Christians, is that if you look at your impossible situation and you look what, what people have told you or stolen to you in your life, let me tell you right now, you have a dog in the fight per se, that dog in the fight, that, 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 that hope, that glimmer of light that we see is that, that possibility, and it's through God. As long as we have God, as long as you have God, you have a possible, always have a possible. And that's what we're going to be talking on today, elevate impossible. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter how long you've been praying about something. It doesn't matter if it's a health issue or a financial issue or a relation issue. It might be fear that's come against you. It might be something that you've been waiting for for a very long time. Whatever it may be, you know exactly what it is. I'm here to encourage you today to realize that there is a possibility in your impossible. Amen? Whatever it may be. It's your impossible, but your impossibilities turn into his, turn into his possibilities. Someone say that in the chat today. My impossible turns into his possible. Amen. That's powerful. This morning, I want us to see four truths regarding elevate impossible. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter uh, 10, verse 17. First verse verse 17 says this and we know this story and you'll 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 know exactly as i start reading it what's about but verse 17 says as jesus started on his way a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him he says good teacher he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life the first thing to elevate how we elevate our impossible how he elevates are impossible is possibilities are found in pursuing God. Pursuing God. God takes our impossible and he turns it into possibilities when we are in pursuit of him. What does pursuit mean? It means to follow someone in order to catch it. Let me tell you today, if you don't know who God is, God is attainable. You can have a relationship with him if you pursue after him. This man was pursuing after Jesus. And what did he do? He ran up to Jesus. Listen here. Look, you got to look at this man's life. This man, from what we know of him, didn't have many problems. 
We know this man as it was royalty because for the book of Luke, we see that Luke refers him to a, a, a ruler. So he probably didn't have a bunch of social economic issues. He didn't know what recessions were, right? Matthew calls him young, so we know he's a young, rich ruler, right? So young, he probably didn't have a lot of health issues either being young. And so we know this man as the rich, young ruler, per Matthew, uh, uh, Luke, and Mark together, and we know him as the rich, young ruler. He was a man of power. He was a man of affluence. He was a man of influence. And he was different than all the other typical people that would come to Jesus. He was different than those who approached Jesus. He didn't lack much in his life, and he probably heard Jesus preach and was probably uh, 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 listening to him preach and was impressed of what he heard. And notice what he did. Notice I said earlier, what did he do? He, he ran to Jesus. He didn't walk up to Jesus. He didn't casually, well, if Jesus has some time for me, maybe I'll just uh, see if I can get a few minutes of his time. He didn't sit there and contemplate, should I really contact Jesus or should I really not? What he did was he ran after Jesus. He ran after Jesus. He was eager to get to Jesus because he knew that Jesus was leaving. This might be the man's only opportunity to reach Jesus. So what did he do? He ran to Jesus. He pursued Jesus. He went after Jesus until he caught up to Jesus. And he fell upon his knees with a burning desire for a question that he had on his heart. He didn't want a healing. He didn't need a miracle. He wanted to know one thing. How to inherit this eternal life that Jesus was teaching about. Let me tell you this. He started in the right place. I believe his heart was in the right place. He asked the right questions. He presented his request to the right person. It was Jesus. Who else, who else is, a, is a professional subject matter of eternal life than Jesus himself? Amen. He went to the right person. He was on the right track, but he failed to receive eternal life that day. You and I just like this young ruler, should have a, a burning desire to pursue God and to pursue the things of God. It's only after we pursue God that we can receive an answer. You're looking for an answer or something, you need to pursue God. Amen? It's the only way we'll get an answer. And we will see that in a minute here, this young man receives an answer from Jesus. He receives an answer. He receives it. But the point we must take away is this, is, is, is he received an answer, but he rejected the answer. And the only way he received the answer, the only way he received his answer was he pursued after Jesus. You see that correlation? You see, this man could have sat back. He could have looked at his riches. He could have looked at everything that he had, and he could have said, like so many of us have done because I've done it myself. I'm okay. In reality, I'm not. I'm okay where I'm at. I'm okay on, on, on my, my couch, or I'm okay on, in my chair in church, and as soon as pastor is done preaching, I'm going to leave because I'm okay. I got everything, or my troubles is not as big as the next person. He could have sat there. He could have looked upon his life and, and see what he had, and he saw what he had, and he didn't need anything else. But he, was, he knew he was missing 
some things. And so what did he do? He went after Jesus. He pursued after Jesus. And the Bible tells us that he received an answer. He rejected it, but he received the answer. And Jesus tells us the same in Matthew 7, 7 through 8. He says, keep on asking and you will what receive what you ask for he goes on and just in case you didn't know about the asking part he said keep on seeking and if you keep on seeking which is pursuing after jesus again you will find you will find your answers he says keep on knocking and the door will be open to you again pursuing after jesus for an answer verse 8 says for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open amen and what is Jesus saying? He's saying is if we go after him, if we seek, if we knock, if we pursue after him, we find what? We find the answer. It's only then, it's only the, the one who is in constant pursuit of God, just like this rich young ruler, that we find answer. That's the one who finds answer. An answer is the one who's pursuing after God. So many times someone will come in and, and ask a, a question or ask for prayer and, and, or ask for direction. And when you, when you ask them, have you prayed about it? The answer is no, not really. If we do not pursue the things after God and we do not pursue God, how do we expect to receive an answer without pursuing God? We have to pursue God. James 4, 8 says, as we come close to God, God comes close to us. If we remain, remain distant from God, God remains distant from us if we're distant from god you can forget about receiving an answer you forget can forget about your impossible being elevated to a possible because you will not receive an answer without pursuing after god it's only when we pursue god we receive an answer and our impossible is elevated to a possibility amen but it all starts out just like this rich young ruler with what pursuing after god Amen. Pursuing after God. Pursue after God. Verse 18 through 20 says this. Going back to Mark chapter 10. Jesus responds. He goes, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Verse 19 says, you know the commandments. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. You should not defraud. Honor your father and mother. In verse 20, he says, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. The second key to elevate the impossible is possibilities are found in a relationship, not a religion. It's found in a relationship, not in a religion. This man, after he calls out to Jesus, this, the, Jesus respond. Uh, he calls calls Jesus good teacher. And 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 he and, and and he asks Jesus the question, "How do I receive eternal life?" And Jesus answers this this young man's question with a question. And he says, "Jesus asks, why why uh, 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 does the young man call him good?" Jesus says, "No one is good other than who, God." By answering this way, Jesus really, really, it's up in, in front of the, 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 this young man's face, really saying, if you call me good, you call me God. And really what he's doing is really turning the focus off of himself to really focusing on who God is and who God was right in front of him. 
You see, and this man, he, 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 he starts out with, with the wrong question. And look where Jesus answers the question. He starts out with a question of, what must I do? What must I do? You see, Jesus took the, the attention off himself and he placed it where it needed to be at, which was upon God. And by telling this young ruler no one is, is good except God, Jesus is saying, he's telling him to call him good is to call me God. Call him God. And Jesus doesn't wait for a response at all. He goes on and he lists six of the Ten Commandments. These six commandments address our human relationship with one another. That's what they address. This young man's response was he kept all these commandments when he was, uh, since, uh, since he was a little kid, he kept them all. He honored his father and his mother. He did not commit murder. He did not commit adultery. He did not steal. He did not have false testimony. He, 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 he hasn't covered his neighbor's house. He says all these things since his youth. And this young man thought eternal life was a matter of earning and deserving and not of a relationship. It's not earning and deserving. It starts out with a relationship. This young man was probably used to earning or, or working his way and receiving whatever he wanted to receive. See, he, he, he didn't want Jesus to become his savior because what he was doing was he wanted Jesus to show him the way to save himself. There is no saving yourself. See, that's what a religion does. It teaches you ways to save yourself. But I'm here to tell you today, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. A, rela a religion will tell you that you can't have this, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. That's not how a relationship works. I love my wife. And I hope she, she loves me too. No, I, she loves me. And she loves me, right? Not because of anything that I or she are ordered to do or have to do. It's because we have a relationship with each other. See, there are times we look upon the rules of the Bible and we look at the do's and we look at the don'ts and we look at the Ten Commandments and we abide by them. And I'm not, I'm not dissing the Ten Commandments at all. At all. They're powerful. And we look at our life and we say things like, well, you know, there, I have no other gods. I don't place no other gods before him. I don't have any idols. I keep the Sabbath. Uh, 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 we, we don't use the Lord's name in vain. And we do the other remaining Ten Commandments. And that's great. But at this point, if that's what you're looking at, then you're no different than this rich, young ruler. Because it's not about a religion. It's about the relationship. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's about the relationship. You see, I can, I can say things like, I don't cheat on my wife. I, I, I don't go out and look upon another woman. I don't do this or that. And therefore, since I don't do these things, I should have a great relationship with my wife. But it does not start with the do's and the don'ts. A relationship starts with knowing somebody inside and out intimately really getting personal and really understanding who that person is a relationship is knowing that other person the do's and don'ts they will follow because we have love and respect for the other person they'll, they'll follow but we do not start a relationship with the do's and the don'ts you see i have a relationship with my wife and because i i i have a relationship with her and i love her the do's and don'ts follow you see, it's, it's my relationship with my wife, and therefore I have a good relationship with my wife, and I love her, and I care for her, therefore I don't go out and cheat. You see, that's how it works. 
It starts with our relationship. It doesn't start with the do's and don'ts. I don't go out and cheat my wife, so therefore I have a, a relationship. We don't do that. That's, that. that's backwards thinking. We start out with the relationship and the do's and the don'ts follow. It's in our relationship with God. Then the do's and the don'ts. Not the do's and the don'ts and then our relationship. That's where people get it wrong. That's where this young man got it wrong. Being a Christian is about a relationship. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about religion. Let me tell you this, and this is going to be maybe shocking to some. There are going to be people who follow the Ten Commandments that end up in hell. They will end up in hell. And the reason why I say that is because there will be great people, good people, they may pray occasionally. They may view themselves that there are no other God before them. They may keep the Sabbath holy. They may go out and, 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 and not use God's name in vain and do the rest of the Ten Commandments. They, they may go out and do all that and find themselves in hell. And why did I say that? Because it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And they kept the Ten Commandments, but they failed to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, that's the difference between religion and religion and a relationship god cannot do the impossible when we are only doing religion and i'm here to tell you today it's time to elevate out of religion and elevate into relationship because god is there waiting for us to enter in in a relationship with him right here right now it's not about a religion it's not about saying you're a christian but having no relationship though half the world uh, goes in and says that they're christians but how many people are actually attending church on a Sunday how many people open up the word how many people on, on a daily basis pray and have a relationship if I talk to my wife once a week or once a month or every Easter and Christmas guess what I don't have a relationship with her I have a religion with her it's about having a relationship and being intimate with that person and I don't mean sexually I'm talking about having a a a a a a one-on-one -on -one relationship and be intimate with God because that's when our our our, our impossible will be elevated to a possibility when we come into relationship with God, it's not about a religion. This young man thought it was about a religion. If it was about a religion, he would have had eternal life. But Jesus is saying it's not about keeping up those commandments. That will follow. It's about having a relationship and removing all obstacles in that relationship. Amen? It's when we enter into a relationship, he then can work the impossible in our life. We can't work the impossible when we're not in a relationship. We can't. Mark 10, 21 says this, verse 21 says, Jesus looked at him, I love this, and loved him. Amen? The one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will, and you will have treasures in heaven. He says, then come follow me. The third key I, I want you to see regarding elevating impossible is possibilities are found in total surrendering to God, total surrendering to God. Jesus looked at this young man, and I, I love this thing. He, he, he says, I love you. I love you. Isn't that amazing? This man in his wrong, Jesus loved him. This man in his sin, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved this man as much uh, where he was at right there in life. He loved this young man. And because of the love that he had for this rich young ruler, Jesus was brutally honest with him. 
and really told him what it took to receive eternal life. He says, you're missing one thing. You're lacking one thing. See, that one thing, that small disobedience is total disobedience to God. We touched on this last week. I believe it was Austin, one of our deep dives this week. He said, you know, 1% of our disobedience is 100% disobedient to God. That's true. Because we look at our, I'm only 1% disobedient. But as we would tell our child, are you still disobedient? Yes. Well, 1%, that's 100% disobedient. Let's be people who are 100% obedient to God. Just a small amount of disobedience is total disobedience in our life. And, and Jesus, check this out, Jesus identified with this man. We don't think about this, but Jesus identified with this man. He identified what he was asking of this man because he's already done it. Think about this, right? It wasn't like Jesus was asking this man to do something that Jesus never done. He did the exact same thing, and he's asking this young man to do the exact same thing back. Think about this. Jesus was about 30 years old in his ministry at this particular point. Jesus was a rich, young ruler, amen? He was richer, and he ruled more than this other young man could ever dream of or possibly imagine. Jesus was a rich, young ruler. Up until Jesus was birthed in the flesh, he lived in his Father in heaven. And what did he do? He had everything and anything he could possibly imagine. And what he was asking of this man was to do, not to do the, what was unfamiliar to him. He's already done it. See, Jesus left it all behind. And he was born as a human man. Look what 2 Corinthians 8 9 says. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that by his poverty he could make you rich. What did Jesus do? He gave it all away. For who? For you. For you and for me. Amen. And he's asking the same young, young ruler, you know what? Give it away. He's asking each one of us today, stop holding on to your grasp and give it away. Let it go. If he gave us everything, could we give away our everything to him and for him? Think about the disciples who were called, right? They were called. What did they do? They left everything to follow him. He isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't done. You know, it sounds easy, right? But how many of us identify with this rich, young ruler? We want to hold on to, to, to everything so tight. We want to have control over everything so tight. And Jesus is saying, listen, surrender it. Get, get rid of it. And the thing is, and this, but let me be honest with you, is we're afraid. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to expose ourselves to God. We're afraid to let him have full control. We're afraid to surrender. God can't change the impossible into a possible in your life unless you surrender it all to him. That's the only way. You have to surrender it all to him. Matthew 10, 39 says this. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, what does he say? You will find it. You will find it. Jesus asked this very thing of this young man. He says, surrender it all to me. This young man wanted eternal life, and all he had to do was surrender it to Jesus. But he didn't. Look at his reply in verse 22. He says this, at this, the man's face fell. 
he went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, not many people left Jesus sad. In fact, I, uh, very small, he's one, one of, of, of maybe one or two individuals that left Jesus sad. Left Jesus sad because he wouldn't let the, go of the very thing that he loved, which is his wealth. His wealth was his idol. His wealth was what he worshipped. His wealth was his security. His wealth was his comfort. His wealth is what he known. His wealth, uh, he didn't want it to be exposed. He didn't want to be vulnerable. And he did not let it go. And some of us today are sitting there and saying, well, you know what? <laughs> I don't have that problem because I'm not wealthy. I don't have that problem because I'm not a rich young ruler. That's why it doesn't pay to be rich. That's why it doesn't pay to be, be wealthy. But let me tell you this, it may not be our wealth. It could be your wealth. It may not be your wealth, but it could be your stubbornness. And God's saying, you know what? Give me your stubbornness. Get rid of your stubbornness. Get rid of what you're holding on to. Get rid of it. It might be your sin. And he's saying, clear out, time to clear out, clean out house. And it's time to remove your sin. It may be a relationship that you're not supposed to be in. God's saying, get rid of the relationship. Kick it to the curb. It's causing interference. I can't do the impossible in your life. It may be a bad habit. It may be a work. It may be a health issue. It may be because you're, you're so fixated in the economy and your retirement account or whatever it may be. And God's saying, give it up so I can do the impossible in your life. He's asking of us that same question today. He's looking at you. He's looking at me. He's saying, I gave it all. And I gave it all for one reason, he's saying. He's given it to you and for me. And all he's asking is a little bit in return. He says, can I, can I get your everything? Can I get your everything? It's only in total surrenderance to God that God takes our impossible. Because let me tell you this, he can't take your impossible when you're too busy holding it with the desperate. We walk around like this and we, we Lord, I need, to, I need this answered. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. And then you know what? We snatch it right back. And we say, okay, Lord, I really need this. And God's like, let it go. Give it to me. Let it, remove it from your death grip. Get rid of it. It's causing uh, uh, interference. It's causing friction. Get rid of it. Surrender it. And I got something for you because we're going to make your impossible turn to possibilities. But you got to get rid of whatever it may be. And he's telling that to us today. The last thing I want us to see, in verse 23 through 27, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? This is the key verse, verse 27. It says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. Amen. We should put an exclamation point right there in the Bible. Fourth thing I want us to see this morning is possibilities are found in one place. Possibilities are only found in God. Jesus goes on and he asks the disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom? And he's using this analogy, but he's not talking about the rich man. He's also talking about every other person that has an issue just like you and me. 
How difficult is it to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And the disciples were, were amazed because they view riches, they view wealth as, as, and we do this today, as God's favor and God's abundance on an individual. So this rich man who, who was wealthy and, and, and who, had, who had, had money and had, could rule over anything, if, if he couldn't get into heaven and he supposedly had God's favor upon him, then, then it's impossible to, to reach eternal life. See, the possibility of eternal life, like then it is now, is not found on what we can do. It's not found in your possessions or your wealth. It's not found, it's found only in one place, regardless of your social economic uh, uh, status, regardless of your wealth, regardless of whatever is going on in your life. Possibilities are found in one place, and that's God himself. And Jesus makes one final statement. He says it's easier for a camel, which was a, a, a used animal then, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is a rich man to enter heaven. What is he saying? A camel can't go in through an eye of a needle. It cannot happen, right? Not many things go into an eye of a needle, but Jesus is using this example. And what he's using this example on is he's saying, he's looking at it, and he's saying, listen, this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Anything that's impossible is possible through God. Your impossible turns into a possibility. I want to close in this. Look at verse 24 again. Jesus calls his disciples and he calls them children. Children he refers to them as. In verse 24. And we see this connection to what Jesus was teaching about right before the rich young ruler. You see in Mark chapter 10 verse 15, Jesus was talking about the children. He says in verse 15, he says, truly I tell you anyone who, uh, who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then this rich man comes and gives him a, a, you know, a whole other example of what he's exactly talking about. See, we are to approach Jesus with our impossible situation, and watch him turn it into a possibility, just like a child looks upon a parent in a tough situation or circumstance. That's tough for them, but it's simple for the parent. It looks impossible as a child, but when we give it to the parent, the problem is what? It's solved. You know, my little Haley, it's hard to believe she'd be four, uh, and, and, and just... Uh, over just over a week and and she'll come up to me and she thinks you know what daddy has all the answers daddy can solve any any issue and it's so sweet i'll, I'll just do the simplest thing she's having issues with and she'll look up at me and she'll say oh thanks daddy and she'll turn around and walk out of the room just melt your heart away and i think about situations like that and that's how we need to start approaching god must go to God as, as the Father, knowing that in, in His hands and in our hands, all we have is the impossibilities. But in His hands 
He can do it all. We have the possibilities in his hands. You see, your healing doesn't make sense, and it seems impossible, but in the hands of God, there is a possibility for healing right now. Your financial breakthrough, looking at it right now and looking at the books and looking at the income seems impossible, but I want to tell you right now, with God, all things are possible. Your relationship in your hands is deteriorating and coming to a crumble, but let me tell you this, in the hands of God, you have the possibility of restoration. You may look at your children and say, look, they are a complete mess. And there's nothing turning them back. But I'm here to tell you right now, there is a possibility of restoration for your family and your children in the hands of God. Amen. And regardless, whatever it may be, there is a possibility, whatever you may be facing, I don't care what the doctors say, I don't care what the banker says, I don't care what the mortgage company says, I don't care what the Samuel County Health Department says, I don't care because what my God says will trump what they say, regardless of what they say. How bad it is, as long as you are alive and as long as God is still on the throne, you have a possibility to con- conquer your impossible. Amen. Let's approach God with, as, as children. There's some of us today that, that, that need the impossible done in your life. And it's time to elevate the impossible. It's time to surrender it over to, to God. It's time to pursue him 110%. It's time to surrender it over to him. It's time to let God be God and let us be the children. Amen? Because in the hands of us, it's impossible. But in the hands of God, he's going to elevate the impossible to his possibility. Amen? Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And you know where we're at. You know the impossible situations that, that we're dealing with. You know what the doctors have said. You know what the, the checkbook looks like. You know what the finances are. Lord, you know exactly what has been happening in our lives, Heavenly Father. But I pray, Lord, that we don't hold on to it and walk away sad like the rich young ruler. That we'll come to the throne of God. And we will see that in our impossible, there's a possibility only in and through you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you know who would, what's on the other end of this, Lord. You know who's watching, Lord. You know what needs to happen in our lives, Heavenly Father. But today we lift up our impossible situation. And we say, Lord, do it only what you can do in our lives, Heavenly Father. You see the hands raised. You see the hearts, Lord Jesus. Right now I pray, Heavenly Father, that we just surrender it all to you. We're done running. We're done trying to make it happen on our own. We're done saying it's impossible. And we go before your throne, Lord, and we're giving it to you, knowing that you are a father that loves and cares deeply about us, Lord. And I ask you right now, Heavenly Father, that you would take our impossible and you would elevate to the possible, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't. Take back your impossible. It's him to make it a possibility. Amen. God bless you. Join us for this week's deep dive. We got some more insight on our word this today. And uh, looking forward to joining you every single morning. 